0: Would you go with me this morning if you have your Bible? I want to start in, well, we're just going to be in the book of John here a little bit this morning. The 10th chapter of the book of John. Well, I was just getting them set so we could, you know, then we're going to let them out. Kids, get out of here. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. All distractions. Now, amen. Look at that bunch. We got a good bunch of little guys. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Whoever's teaching this morning, tell them about Jesus. Amen. Tell them about Jesus. John, the 10th chapter. Am I okay now? Okay, John, the 10th chapter. And I want to read the ninth verse, and we'll just kind of Kind of pull that out of there and then we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, the ninth verse, tenth chapter, I am the door. And if we've made mention of this recently, but Lord just kind of brought this to my heart. I am the door. I'm the door. Um, if you'd stay in the book of John with me and go over to one more setting, we've got a scripture here in the 15th chapter and the fifth verse. I am the vine. How can he be so many things? <clears throat> because he's trying to, he's trying to reach us with whatever angle that that you can see the Lord at. That's where He's trying to reveal Himself. And so there's some really good things in this this morning. Uh, So let me just finish this verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that remains in me, and I in him. This one bears much fruit. And then this verse, we've been working on it recently. For... I think King James says without me, yeah. For without me, it's a little more descriptive in the literal Greek translation. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that remains in me, you bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So we're going to work on this this morning and just believe that the Lord will just uh, touch our heart. I always say this sometimes, I say, yeah, if God wanted to change something about you, are you willing this morning? And I say, yes, Lord. How many say, yes, Lord. Let's just, let's just do that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll respond. I'll respond. See, the word of God goes out. It's like seed in a field. And there's some responses, a lot of different responses. The Lord talked about those. But to the good ground that it got into, it began to germinate, and it began to, to grow. So the Word of God this morning, we can hear it and, you know, just let it roll off. Or or we can hear it and, and say, yes, Lord. Jesus, we just thank you this morning. Ask you over your Word. Let there be an anointing in the delivering of your Word. Your Word is powerful, quick, sharp, powerful, than any two-edged sword, but... Lord, the delivering of it, I pray will be anointed this morning, Lord, that we'll stay right close to where your spirit is guiding. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, some years ago, you may remember this. We have um, had in our, our church one of our brothers that helped us for many years in ministry, uh, Brother Jerry DeLaVega. How many remember Brother Jerry DeLaVega? Um, he was... Just instrumental in uh, helping us understand the Greek New Testament, and and he was not a Greek scholar, but yet he was he was uh, studious enough to get us going and started, and we begin to become acquainted with the Greek New Testament, and that is just the original text. It's not something, not a variant of you know. say, said, well, I just believe in King James only. Well, that's fine, but but. Um, the original text where King James came from, where that version came from, out of the text. So we begin to study that, and the Lord uh, just ministered with us so much. And as I begin to study this, um, I felt like I haven't talked to him in so long. And so last night we called him, and he is just, he's just the same old brother Jerry Del Vega. He's 88 years old now. <coughs> But he's still preaching and ministering. And I got him on the phone and talked a little bit. And he said, well, I, this is what I'm teaching. And he and began to tell me some of the things that he was teaching. And the reason why I brought him up is because years ago, and we would have him minister. He taught on Wednesday nights in a, in a, a class. And we did Greek class for oh, many, many years. And he would teach on Sunday night, preach on Sunday night sometimes. And one of his favorite messages, and you'll remember this, came out of Ephesians, the first chapter, and he called it, In Him. And if he preached that once, he must have preached it probably ten times or so. You know, I was thinking about that as I began to study, and thought, Lord, that he set a foundation in my heart with this, but it's been a long time since we have visited this, and so I want to talk about it this morning, about In Him. So Brother Jerry used mainly the first chapter of Ephesians, of which we will touch on sort of towards the end of our speaking this morning. But I want to rework this with some thoughts that may be coming at at a different angle about being in Him, but it will end up in the same place. And so we want to kind of bring, and that's what the Lord does in this church, um, a lot of us will, will say the same thing, but from a different angle. And I like that. That's what the Lord did with parables, okay? He would give a parable of the sower. He a parable of the builder, a parable of uh, many, many, many different things, farmers and, and the vine this morning, the door. And so he'd come with a lot of angles. But I want you to know this, that he didn't leave any angles that didn't, weren't directed. They were all directed to the same place. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all Scripture is about Him. Not about us, not about what we want and where we're at in our kingdom. It's all, Pastor Ronnie said this morning, it's about His kingdom and Him. So I I, I thought about this, and we believe in knowledge in this place. We teach uh, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ as He reveals Himself in His Word. And it's something that we have I guess specialized in this. Just, just feel like that's an anointing for this house, this, this ministry, and all of our brethren here. And knowledge, knowledge is a wonderful thing. Ignorance is bliss, but it's not going to bless your life. Knowledge, knowledge we strive to know. We want to know there are some people that that don't care, that they're indifferent about everything. But I want to know, I, I I I'm I'm hungry to know the Lord. That's one of the things that Paul said. Oh, at the end of his ministry, oh, that I might know Him. That was the crux of everything that he was about. That he might know the Lord. He had not experienced Him in the passion of death, but he said that I might know Him. That I might know Him in fellowship of His sufferings, of His death, and Paul did go through that, but. We want to know the Lord in every facet that is that relates to our life. But knowledge of and relationship with are not necessarily congruent. They don't necessarily meet together. I heard Kay this week telling somebody on the phone, I don't know who it was, but we've used this example before many times. <coughs> All of us know, well, those who watched TV uh, 10 years ago, No Michael Jordan. Um, boy, we've watched him dunk basketballs. We've watched him and, and seen specials about his life and different things about him and, and, and have wore his tennis shoes. I used to give my kids a choice at the beginning of the school year. Do you want one good pair of tennis shoes, or do you want to just kind of buy them as we go? And it was always, I want the one good pair, and I always wanted to go to the Jordans. And the Jordans cost the most at that point. I don't know what costs the most now, but. So we all have a knowledge of him. If he came into this building this morning, probably everybody here would recognize him and would know him. The problem is we don't have any connection of relationship and fellowship with Him at all. We don't know Him like that. We know Him through a knowledge. We don't know Him through a relationship. I'm afraid that a lot of people have been in church a long time and know Him by knowledge. They may be able even to identify Him by knowledge, but have no relationship with Him. And so this becomes a concern of pastors and preachers because we constantly talk about the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but we can't leave you just at the knowledge. We need knowledge for proper identification. If we don't know who He is, then you may receive anything. If we don't know that His name is Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. If we don't know that, if we can't identify that, we cannot come into relationship with Him. Have you ever thought that your prayers, you know, well, I'll just pray. No, your prayers need to be directed. Your praise has to be directed. You can't just praise. That could go to anybody. There is a direction of our praise, and there's a direction of relationship in God. And so our, I, the idea of that I'll just I just be in church, just read the Scriptures, I'll get knowledge. I know of people who can quote so much of the Bible, but yet have no relationship with the Lord. But they have a knowledge. Years ago, I would occasionally watch Jack Van Impey. Has anybody ever seen Jack Van Impey? I don't know. He's He's not on the scene anymore. They said he could quote the New Testament. Man, that really puts me to shame. I I don't know that I can quote even very few, even chapters. But the man was brilliant. He had a photographic memory. He could quote the New Testament. The problem was he didn't understand it. And he didn't have a relationship. At least what he preached didn't bring you to relationship with the Lord. It brought you to a knowledge of the Lord. And if we stop at knowledge, then then we have stopped with with the uh, important part to bring us to relationship. And we don't go into relationship, then we have just a knowledge about Him. And so relationship requires this interaction with Him. Not just a knowledge of Him, but interaction with the one that we can identify. And let me tell you this, no one attains the kingdom of God by knowledge. If you think that it's enough just to know about Him, if you think it's enough just to understand some things, understand some Scripture, let me tell you this again, you can't get there by knowledge. Uh, Jesus said, you must be what? Born again. If you're going to give the kingdom of God, you've got to be born. Born or birth from above, and we call it later on in the Scripture, he told that to Nicodemus, later on in the Scripture, it uses that phrase, born again. So something has to happen with our knowledge, coupled with our interaction with him, that does more than just be able to understand and read the Bible. One of the most important concepts that the Lord shared with his disciples was I am the door. In fact, I don't think we can get to a place of more importance in Scripture than this. I am the door. It's taken out of that 10th chapter um, of John, the metaphor, again, of him being the shepherd and the sheep and the uh, the sheep jesus likened if we go back to the old testament isaiah likened us to all sheep we we all have gone astray all like sheep we have gone astray and he laid on him the sins of us all um during the old testament there was a lot about about him being, david said david said the lord is my shepherd right there, there was a lot of things about sheep and shepherd but jesus will bring in the 10th chapter and he begins to talk about it And the, the amazing thing is that if you read that, it said that they did not understand what he was talking about. And I I think that sometimes sometimes when we look at the, the allegories, metaphors that are in Scripture, did not understand about being sheep and him being the shepherd. But there's some wonderful things here. And he began to talk about that. And he said, I am the door to the sheepfold. In other words, you must come through the door to get into the sheepfold. Then he says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And I got thinking about that because there's a lot that came before him. There's a lot of prophets, judges, kings, priests, teachers, seers, men of God. But all become before me. I want you to know that compared to him, they are not the great shepherd. And if we treat them as the great shepherd, then they are thieves and robbers. Why? Because they take away from the great shepherd. Moses is not the great shepherd. The Jews think he is the great shepherd. We we follow Moses. Abraham is not the great shepherd. The men of old are not the great shepherd. The great shepherd himself will say they are. If they take that credit to themselves, they are thieves and robbers because there is just one great shepherd. Can you say amen to that? There's only one great shepherd. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, that one will be saved. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to look at all the religious junk in the face and look at this scripture because a friend of ours used to to use this phrase, period, point blank. I'm the door. Anyone who enters through me, that one will be saved. You're not getting saved by joining the right church. You're not getting saved by joining the right doctrines. You're not getting saved by going through the customs and and things that people put out there that say you must do this to be saved. I'm going to tell you the one qualification of being saved is entering in the door. That's it. There isn't anything else. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to accomplish anything else. In fact, if your works are coupled with it, then you have done something other than what needs to be done to be saved enter, he that enters into me. Man, I really like that because no one gets to determine that for me but him. I don't need a preacher to say to me you're saved or you're not saved, I don't need that. I don't need doctrines and dogmas to tell me how to be more saved. What I need is to enter into that place. If I can enter him, Everything else doesn't matter. Can you say amen? Everything else just becomes process in my life. Sure, there's some other things. Sure, there's some stuff in our life that needs to be done, and God's going to do that. But this being able to identify Jesus as Lord and Savior is only part of the equation of salvation. You've got to know where to enter. You can't just enter anything. But I'm the door. He who enters in to me, that one, will be saved. It's imperative then that you not only know who to enter in, but also that you take that action and interaction as a believer to enter into Jesus Christ. And so, you're going to think like I did this morning. You're going to think about entering in to Him. So John gives another uh, uh, parable that Jesus, records another parable that Jesus gave us, John 15. And that one is the vine and the branches. Now this this one <coughs> is so clear that you can understand this. If you've ever had uh, 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 any kind of vine that, that bore fruit, any kind of tree that bore fruit, uh, we've planted fruit trees over the years and, and harvested some of that fruit. And, and what you understand is that there is a trunk of the tree, there's the, there's the main part of the tree, and then there are the branches. And so the vine the vine itself is the strength of the tree. Everything flows through the roots and, and that, that bearing of that, that source. It comes through the vine, it comes through the trunk, it comes through the parts of the tree, but yet then the branches come out of that, and, and then out of that comes fruit and leaves, and leaves are not on the trunk, leaves are, leaves are on the branches. Fruit's not on the trunk, it's, it's on the branches. And so the Lord, He gives us this, this metaphor, and so we look at this, this vine thing, because He says, I am the vine. And I like this because it whittles it down to just one choice. Here again, we talk about one a lot, but there's just one vine that's true. There might be some other vines out there, but if you're plugged into that one, you're not going to bear righteous fruit. But there's one vine that if you are in, you have to be in the vine. Say, well, I'm, I'm, I, I just kind of run my own show, you know, I'm, I, I have my own beliefs. No, 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 that's not, no. You've got to be in the vine. If we're going to talk about in him, then this is a perfect metaphor of a vine with branches that, that bear fruit. And then he says, if that branch does not bear fruit, it's cut off, but that branch alone cannot bear fruit. If you've ever cut off a limb off a tree, we have sometimes you just need to. Um, that branch, what does it do? It, it withers up and it dies. It doesn't bear fruit. Well, i just take it down and I'll put it over here in the house and, and then when we need apples, we'll just come and get apples off it. No, you won't because it will shrivel up and die. And then Jesus says that about us. If you are separated from the vine, apart from me, and so I can see this, you know, in my mind. Here's this vine, and they put the little runners out there and, and, and wires or whatever. And here's the, the little vines are going, and, and, and they're bearing fruit. But one of them decides that it's just going to detach. And so it's not plugged in anymore. And, but yet, without the vine, it can do nothing. And so let's take that to a spiritual thing. I think I'm doing well. I think I, I've got all my ducks in a row. Um, I love the Lord, but I'm just going to kind of do my thing for a while. And you detach yourself from the source. And what happens to you spiritually? You dry up, you wither up, and you die. Somebody said, Pastor, I know why you teach people that they need to go to church. Is because you're a pastor. That's why. So you've got to get people in the building. No, that's not why. The reason why is because if you detach yourself, you will wither and die. If you try and do it yourself, you can't do it spiritually. You are dependent on the vine. Say, I'm going to walk my walk and I'm just going to, you know, pull up my bootstraps. No, you're dependent. God, the other day we were talking about this. God makes us dependent. If you don't want to be dependent, he'll put you in a place where you are dependent. Why do you think we have to go through some trials and some, some stuff in our life that, that seems like, you know, God, where are you? That's the whole point is that we have detached ourselves maybe emotionally, mentally, spiritually from the Lord. And he's saying to us, you're dependent upon me. I want you to know that you cannot do this in yourself, that you must rely upon me for salvation. So then we have this discussion about a works gospel and about a no works gospel. And I want you to know that that there are works that's going to be done in us. We are going to bear fruit, but you're not bearing it of yourself. You're going to bear it because you are plugged in to Him. Can you say amen? You're plugged into Him. And so that's why you're here this morning. You're plugged into the Lord. You want, you want to hear about Him. You want to know about Him. and so And so obviously... Unattached branches, they wither and they die. Now, here's this question that came to me, so um, let, me, let me just share it with you, probably thinking the same thing. Well, how do we get in him? I, you know, there's, there's different ideas about it, but getting into him, It's going to take reaction on our part. And again, I don't believe in a works gospel. I don't believe you earn salvation. But you do have to react to what he says. And so how do we get in the place that we are located in him? And what's the difference between in him and out of him, trying to serve him, being out of him, and just trying to do the right thing, just trying to live the right life. And and there's value in that. That's good. We, We admit there's value in that. But there's a place that's in Him. And the only way to enter into Him, the only access of God's salvation is in the name of Jesus Christ. Anyone who comes in another way, he said this about the sheepfold, anyone who comes in another way doesn't come through the door, they're a thief and a robber. The only access to getting into him, first of all, is the name of Jesus Christ. How important is that name? How important is the name Yeshua? That's, that's just the, the Hebrew rendering. We, we say Jesus because English rendering. How important is it Because we enter into him, we have to to know who it is that we're entering in. He is the only access. Now, I believe this morning, if you think Jesus is one way and there are other ways, then you cannot enter into him. There is just one way. There's just one Lord. There's just one God. There's just one salvation. There's one spirit. There's just one. Go into Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You'll find out one, 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 one. There's just one Christ. His name is. Is Jesus. There's just one door. His name is Jesus. Now, in faith, we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, our Rabbi, our Master, by faith. By faith, you're saved. By faith, you are being saved. Not of works. By faith, our faith and trust that I've identified Him as Lord. And now I receive him as my Lord. So you no, know, what we need to do is we need to, everybody raise your hand, and we're going to pray over you, and then we're going to declare that you're saved. I'm not declaring anybody saved. You've got to come into him before you get saved. And so <coughs> the declaration of Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, God, and Savior is imperative for coming into him. Lord, forgive my sin, that's not enough. Even if God would forgive you and you would stand there sinless at that moment, you're gonna go back out and do more sin unless you come into him. There's a great protection in him, can you say amen? He's a sin killer. He's the chain breaker. He's the sin breaker. Hey, I've been bound with sin all my life and and just all this stuff going on. I'm going to tell you, if you get in him, you're going to find a freedom that now you don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus Christ sets you free. It's not on the outside of him. It's not a prayer of, Lord, forgive me of all the sins that I've done during my lifetime back when I was a little child. That's not enough. That's not in him. But when you come into him, You receive Him as your Lord and Master and Savior. Can you say amen? Does everybody understand what I'm saying this morning? Next, there is an obedience to His way, His truth, and His life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you come into Him, you accept His way. That's tough. I like my way. I like my way of doing, I like my way of thinking. But when I come into him, I have to let my way go and say, Lord, whatever you think now, whatever you determine over my life, is that good? Whatever you, whatever you think is gonna be right for my that's what I, I've gotta do now. And then, then truth, truth is not found in the world. Truth is not found in me. Truth is found in Jesus Christ. And so I am obedient to what? His truth. What His Word says. What He calls truth. That's what truth is. And then I am obedient to His life. We live that what we call the Christ life. It doesn't mean that I'm Christ. What it means is I'm going to follow His life. Lord, what You love, I want to love. What You hate and turn away from, I want to turn away from. I just want to love what You love. I just want to hate what You hate. I just want to do it Your way. I just want to know you in truth. I just want to live the Christ life. This is being in Christ Jesus. Anything other than that may be religious. It may there be some value, some good in that. But being in Christ Jesus. And then next is a fellowship with Him personally. See, Jesus is not a metaphor. Jesus is not just some spirit out there somewhere. Jesus is alive. He is a person. Jesus is the person of God. And when he says, I'll be in the midst, I preached that last week, where is he? He's in the midst. He's here today. Just like you're sitting here, the Lord is seated in this place. I don't know. You know, that's hard to believe, Pastor. Well, I didn't make that promise. He did. And either he's the truth or he's a liar. I believe he is the truth. Let all men be a liar and let God be the truth. I believe that if he said he's here, he's here. And he's here in person. The other day we had Thanksgiving and 19 of us, right? 19 of us, there, okay. Children, all of our children and um, children to be. And uh, and we just, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm trying to develop a personal relationship with each one of them. I don't want to know I'm just, okay, 19, we're over here. It was good. We had a good time. I want to know each one of them. Somehow, I'm going to act and react with them. From the littlest guy who tears up Jack, you know, he's ripping and tearing to the oldest one who's tearing up Jack and, and, no, but all of them, my children, I want to know them. I don't just want to know them as children. I don't just want to know them as grandchildren. I don't want to know them as a collective, but we sit here this morning and we think God wants to know us as a collective. He wants to know us personally. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. To Talk with him and walk with him and live with him and. And understand Him, let Him minister in your spirit and lead you and guide you into His ways. That's required to be in Him. I'm sorry you don't get a pass because mom and daddy, they were Christians. You don't get a pass because because you've been in church a long time, you only get to know Him. I'm gonna tell you this, you're gonna know Him here, and you're gonna know Him in eternity. You're gonna come in this life, and you're gonna walk with Him, and then in eternity you're just dropping this body, but yet you're gonna walk with Him in more knowledge than what you do right now, but it all starts with a relationship in Jesus Christ. <coughs> and then we come into a greater knowledge in this whole process in him. Jesus repeated explicitly several times in these parables, in these metaphors, and at other times. Once you get into him, you must remain in him. That's not a one-time prayer. I'm sorry, you know, I, like I've said, I've had friends that took that did one prayer. They didn't need church anymore. They didn't need anything anymore. They just had their prayer. They're good good to go. Everybody remember um, Lee? Oh, Lee at the park. He was down there for years, drunk every time. He never came to the park. I'll say one good thing about him was consistent. He never came to the park once. He wasn't drunk. And this went on Friday after Friday for years. And we'd try and talk to him and say, Lee, you know, you need Jesus. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I'm good. He said, I got my ticket punched a long time ago. But he's drunk every Friday night. Getting your ticket punched, that's nothing. Getting into Christ. Coming to know Him. Coming to fellowship in Him. Know the reality that Jesus Christ is real. He's a person that is real. And I need to know Him. And not only to know Him, but to remain in Him, simply it means this, there is nowhere else to go on to. Now I think Pastor Ronnie might have mentioned this last Sunday night. <coughs> Some people use Jesus for kind of like a diving board. I want to get into the pool of God. And so I use Jesus for the diving board and I jump off and, and so I can get into Him. A reason why I'm getting into Him so I can get somewhere else. No. Not as a Christian. You remain where, in Him. So you don't dive off in the spiritual pool somewhere. You remain in Him. But I want to work out and you know get out into spiritual areas. No, sorry. You remain in Him. But I want to expand this thing a little bit. I really want to know God. I want to know God for who He is. But I you know no, remain in Him. Peter had it right. He said. To whom can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. No one else has the words of eternal life. And so I abide in Him. Listen to this. Abiding in Him. Everybody's, you know, all of my pastor life, people have wanted to know the will of God for their life. (coughs) I want to know the will of God. And really what they're thinking about is I want to know if God wants me to buy this car you know, I want to get the, the will of God buy in buying a house. And I'm not so sure that, that he's so concerned about that. I, I mean, yeah, we pray about it and, and we ask for his direction, but, I mean, houses come and go, cars come and go, stuff comes and goes, right? And so, but I need the will of God. I need to, I need to really know the will of God. And what, I'm going to tell, tell you the perfect will of God in Christ Jesus right now. Abide in him. This is the will of God for your life. Don't worry about getting out there doing great things. No, abide in Him. Abiding in Him is the complete and perfect will of God for your life now and for your future. So, well, I came to church this morning and and I thought it was pretty complex, all the things about God. Now, we're going to make it really, 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 really simple. Get in him and stay there. Can't be, can't be any more simple than that. All I got to do. No, you don't have to do nothing. What you got to do is just get in him and stay there. Well, how long do I need to stay there? Till you draw your last breath, and then you're going to another place in him. But this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you nothing else matters nothing in this world will do jesus you're the center we sing that song easy to sing hard to do everything is revolves around you jesus you and that's easy to sing it's a good one until we want to get in our way and then we have this problem about lord out of you for a second And find my own thing. Nothing else matters. It's all process in life. Heather said this the other night. God will put things in your life to cause you to evaluate really what is important. If you're pursuing Him, He's going to make that. He's going to reveal that to you. And you're going to get to a point to say, you know what? My job, my money, my stuff, My home, all the things that I have and trying to accomplish don't mean anything. What means something is in Him. What means something is my children in Him. My grandchildren in Him. This is what means in our life. And we're just struggling and going and trying to go and buy and build and do and And really, those things are all just process in our life. What is important is living in Him. If you are living in Him this morning, you have accomplished what life is all about. So now, thank you, Brother Jerry DeLaVega. We're going to step into Ephesians, the first chapter, and uh, talk about that a little while. And then we're going to be done. But this chapter is amazing. Will you turn there in your Bibles? You can follow me along a little bit. I just tried; didn't want to read the whole chapter, so I just pulled some the thoughts out of each verse that talk about in. Um, in the first 14 verses, the Greek word in or it's en, but we we uh, recognize that in. <coughs> the first 14 verses, it's only said 18 times. Uh, in. But then it also uses the other Greek preposition, ice, which is into. That's the motion, action of in, getting in or into. And I think that's nine times in there. So really that's why this first 14 verses is this like in Christ thing. And so let's go through this a a, a little bit. Uh, Verse 1. To the saints in Christ Jesus. And I don't have anything to say to saints who are not in Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's it's like the other, other day we went up to that church and they asked, Well, you got all this stuff about Jesus. Well, what else is there? What are we supposed to preach? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of churches, but this book is about Jesus. To the saints. Faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, God blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ. Go over to the second chapter and the sixth verse. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The fourth verse, He chose us. Listen to this. He chose us in Him. Now, this word, it follows, the prepositions in Greek follow uh, the case, and the dative case here is the locative dative case. In other words, location. So the word in is about location. Sometimes it's used in the Bible. They'll say at or by, um, but but it's not instrumental. It is It is used in in the location of where we are he chose us in him before the foundation of the world now, i don't want to talk to you about predestination like god chose you and you and, you and you and you and you and you and you and you're all going to make it and then he didn't choose a bunch of other people no you made that choice jesus opened his arms and said whosoever will let him come unto me right amen you want to come into christ you have you can do it you you get that option but he chose, and I love this. Man, I, could, I could go all the way back to John 1. One, preach about the Logos of God before he ever created anything. He chose this, this thing called in him. He didn't just create people to create people. Somebody said he was lonely and he just needed people. And that's, that's why he created the heavens. No, 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 no. Before the foundations of the world... He ordained that you and I could get in Him. This is crazy. Humanity can be in Him? Yes, before the foundation of the world, He put that into order. Isn't that something? I'm going to say in the Old Testament that they were by Him, they were with Him. They were prophesying under the spirit of him. But you've got to get into the New Testament to find out how to get in him. We don't have the door in the Old Testament. We don't have the way, the truth, and life. in the Old. We have the door in the New Testament. You're going to get into him through the door. And he chose it before the foundation of the world for us to be holy and blameless in his presence, in love. Verse 5, predetermining us into... Adoption through Jesus Christ into Himself. This is the Greek rendering now. Into Himself. Again, it's in Him. Verse 6. Into His grace in which He favored us in the Beloved. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood. Wow. My sins which were many. My sins, which were awful, my sins, which I hate to think about it, they were out of him. But when I came into him, I had redemption through his blood in him. That I'm not dealing with that anymore. That's on the outside of him. Somebody say amen. But when you're in him, you're cleansed from your sin already. You don't need to do penance. You don't need to try and figure out everything that you've done in the past, every lie you've told, everything you did. What you need to do is get in him. Because when you get into him, his blood is there. His blood's not on the outside. His blood is on the inside. And his redemption is in getting into him. By his blood, we have his redemption. Can you say amen? So thank God I'm not what I used to be because I was outside of him. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on outside of him. But when you're in him, I am, we sing this song, I am covered by the blood. I'm covered because I'm in him. Let's go on. And so, so he caused us to have wisdom and to abound in him. Verse 9, making known the mystery of himself, that it is in himself. And verse 10, I like this one. He headed up all things where? In Christ, in heaven, and on earth, in Him. And verse 11 sums it up. In whom we have been chosen to an inheritance. Man, this is beautiful. To the saints that are in Him. I delivered that to you this morning. Not to saints that are not in Him. I don't have anything to say to religious people. I don't have any blessing, any inheritance, any redemption, any forgiveness. We don't have any grace. We don't have the beloved if we're not in him. But this morning, if you are, if you are a saint in Christ, what beautiful, wonderful treasures are found in him. I got one last thought. Can everybody stand one more thought? It's only 20 to 12. Good grief, restaurants won't be full yet. I was the other day, one of one of our pastors quoted it, which we quote a lot. Colossians the second chapter in the ninth verse. And I began to think about this. For In him. Dwells all the fullness of the godness bodily. Now I can look at that. As Jesus being the container on earth. Of the fullness of the godness which he was. Or I can look at that. As the door of entry. Into the glory of God. Because if in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godness, and I get into Him, that's where all the fullness of the Godness is at. So when I'm walking alongside and at a distance and Sort of being churchy or whatever it is, and I'm not in Him, I'm not going to understand any of the fullness of God at all. I'll just be guessing. I'll just be surmising. I'll just be thinking, coming through my knowledge. But when I get into Him, this is where the fullness of the Godness is. We talked last week about the location of Him. Where is He at? He's sitting in the midst. But the location of the Godness is in Him. If you get through Him and get somewhere off into the heavenly, you're out of the fullness of God. And that's why you must remain in Him. See, if, if everything that God is about is found in Christ Jesus... is to get into Him. So I'm not going to preach to you this morning about heaven and mansions and gold and silver and all the good treasures and things that you're going to have when you get to heaven that you didn't have here. I'm going to tell you what, you're going to eat everything you didn't get to eat here. You're going to get to eat, you know, the good cuts and caviar and and all the stuff that you didn't get to eat here. You're going to get in heaven. Or I can tell you that everything that is good about heaven is in him. Jesus will be what makes it heaven to me. I might have to get out of him to get to heaven. I get in him to get to heaven. Can you say amen? Well, is heaven, you know, passing from this earth it is? It is a passing from this earth. But I'm still going to be in my Christ. Amen. I am going to dwell in him. And Jesus Christ is the one who gives us eternal life. It's found where? In him. Thank you, Brother Jerry DeLaVega, for the years that he spent with us and taught us this, this very basic truth of Christianity. It's as basic as you can get. Know him and get into him. Somebody said, you're really into Jesus around here. I hope so. We're into Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's the master. Can you say amen? He's the Lord. If we're going to praise, who are we going to praise? We're going to praise him. If we're, if we're going to lift up someone who is high in my, who is it that we're going to lift up? We're going to lift up our Jesus because I'm in him and you're in him and we are in him together. Oh, man, we have an inheritance. We're seated with him. That's all. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. Would you stand with me? God bless you. I hope that something I said this morning resonates in your heart. You might say this morning, Pastor, I don't know. I, I really, you know, I've said some prayers. I've, you know, I believe the Bible. But I'm not, I, I've never really experienced this thing about being in Him personally. I encourage you, you have the right, those that believe on Him have the right this morning to say, Lord, I want that. I want to come into you. I want to live in you. Paul said it this way. In him, we live and move and have our being in him. And that's what we need. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this service this morning, this time that we separated to come before you. We have worshiped you, Lord. We have prayed. We have given. We've preached your word, Lord. And those things are the tenets of our faith and what we believe in you. Lord, mainly, we have directed everything to you. My life is in you. Lord, if I fail my life in you, then I have failed life. So I ask you, oh God, that everyone that heard this sermon this morning, Lord, that you would just penetrate our hearts with it, cause it to begin to grow, cause there to be a hunger and a thirst, Lord, to be in that life with you and to walk with you and to know you. Continually, we pray it in Jesus' name. May everyone say.